Welcome to the Activation Project, where we activate your mind, activate your tribe, and activate the world. My name is Olivia Eden, and I'm here with my co-host, Paloma Cifuentes. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We have a very interesting topic today. It's right after Mother's Day. And I know that this was a difficult day for a lot of people. For me, my mom passed away, so it's always a little bit sad. Then there's people who just aren't with their mothers. They can't be with their mothers for whatever reason, or maybe they don't have a good relationship with their mothers. So we want to dive into that a little bit. We want to talk about a term that Kelly McDaniel calls mother hunger. A little bit about what that means, give you some examples, what to do about it if you do experience mother hunger. So we hope that this is something that you find value in that can maybe help you, or maybe you can use this information to help somebody that you know that's going through something like this. Yeah, so this is right after Mother's Day and I actually had a pretty good Mother's Day considering like everything that's been going on. I got really good news. My mom's going to be able to come visit uh, pretty soon. She got her visa approved after 11 years of not being able to see her. I'm finally going to see her this year. So (laughs) I am super excited about that. But yes, mother hunger, it is an interesting topic because, you know, moms are our first loves. From the moment we are in their womb, we start to develop a connection with our mother using all of our senses. We learn to listen out for the sound of their voice. And when we are born, we use the sense of smell and touch to look for the breast. We create a stronger connection by making eye contact during feeding times. And we communicate our needs by crying different types of cries based on our needs. Most moms that I know can tell you that their baby cries differently when he or she's hungry than, you know, when he or she needs a diaper change. It's all very, very interesting. So Kelly McDaniel talks about mother hunger. And in order to do so, she defines what mothering is. In the Cambridge Dictionary, the definition of mother is someone who does mother-like things, which doesn't really say much. So she takes her own approach and she defines it as someone who nurtures, guides, and protects. And someone who lacks one or more of these growing up is then likely to experience symptoms of mother hunger. Things like loneliness, insecurity, putting guards up to avoid being hurt, among you know many others, I'm sure. Yeah, I would say flightiness is probably one of them. Definitely. Procrastination. The list can go on and on. She says these hunger pains need relief. and We find them in food, sex, alcohol, work, something to numb that inner longing for love. Apparently also like autism and, and kids that are on the spectrum, vast majority of them didn't have enough eye contact with their mom. It's what a lot of, of the studies show. So yeah. just showing how important even just making eye contact is touch, holding them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the use of all the senses to really make that connection. You know, and that's the way we learn best is by using all of our senses, right? So I love her approach because she talks about mother hunger in a way where she's not looking to point the finger or blame. She's looking to bring healing by creating that awareness around this type of trauma. I think like that any other trauma works this way too, right? First For you sure. have to like bring awareness to it. Yeah, understand where it might have started and then you seek to heal it. Mm-hmm. Not to point the finger or blame or stay in victim. Right. But to understand maybe that your parents or your mother received the same modeling. Mm-hmm. So they're only passing on what they know. That's epigenetics. And, you know, you've seen and heard about this from some of the people that you've done work with, right? That have done journeys with you? It's surprising how many of the last people that I've worked with, maybe like five in a row, that all suffered from or 
forward challenge, I should say, by what is called mother hunger. So having like either very absent mothers or very belittling mothers, very distant mothers, mothers that didn't show any affection, mothers that came down really hard as far as punishment goes, really hard spankings. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. And these are just incredible, precious human beings, but that have symptoms of the dysfunction in their lives that come from it. So it's a prevalent issue Mm -hmm. and it's something that we need to talk about. And, you know, maybe in your memory, because kids remember things as black and white. And so often do these people not want to look back at their childhood and assign blame to their parents, on the other hand, because they know that they did the best that they could. Mm -hmm. And so they tend to just brush it off or sweep it under the carpet, you know, and that causes more dysfunction because they don't get the healing that they need. And it comes by only understanding things clearly and then forgiving and moving on so that you don't pass it on to your children. Definitely. You know, there's no science about this. Everybody's parenting is very different and parenting is the most challenging thing that I think anybody can do. I mean, I speak from experience. I've got two kids and it's definitely the hardest job I've ever done. So everybody's parenting style is very, very different. And, you know, I don't want to talk about this to place blame or shame anybody or their parenting style, but just to kind of create a little bit of awareness in the way that we're talking to our children, the way that we are educating them, because this is something that's going to potentially set them up for their adulthood and that, you know, you want them to have good habits that they can repeat with their own children. Yeah, it creates resiliency in children, Mm -hmm. you know, because adversities, there are many in the world whether they come from parenting or they just come from life and hardships, which help us to grow. But love and nurturing is a lot more scarce usually than adversity. And so we have to make sure that we're doing our part to balance it out by giving that love and guidance and protection and eye contact, affection, all that stuff. I remember when you and I were talking about recording this and all the topics, you kind of mentioned, well, I didn't really experience mother hunger. And then when we, you know, delved into like what mother hunger is like, well, no, there's times I felt like one of those were missing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So uh, as far as like, because my mom was very loving and nurturing. She would just lift us up. You know, she was very supportive. She'd always encourage us that we could do anything, that we could be anyone. But when it came to protection, you know, she was a single mom and we lived communally. So we lived in homes that had like lots of dads and lots of moms, you know, we would call them uncles and aunts. So we were parented by a lot of different people. Also, they were very, very hard with discipline and punishment. And so a lot of times my mom wouldn't even be around and I would be getting like some really severely hard spanking from some other parent and kids internalize that. And then one of my earliest memories is me falling down when I was three years old. I was in a big group of kids and we were being watched by some little teenage couple. They must have been like, like 16 or 17, you're watching about 20 of us. And I gashed open my knee and I saw a really big scar. My mom was in quarantine and so she wasn't around and I couldn't see her. And I remember that the couple of teenagers that were taking care of me, I remember they were just like kissing in the bathroom. So I was having to wash my own cut and I just remember feeling like all alone. And there are different examples of that that happened. Of course, like I didn't even realize that this was an issue until later on in life when I had to discover, you know, the different things that were causing major dysfunction 
dysfunction in my life. And that's not to say that my mom wasn't an amazing mother because she was. Mm -hmm. And it's really challenging to get it perfect, right? And so that's why this education and studying these things are so important so that we can understand the things that impact children. Because once your mind expands with this knowledge, it can't go back to its original dimension. You can't claim ignorance after that. So it's about us doing our part and maybe even sweetly and gently letting somebody know that's close to us, maybe a family member, maybe friends. If you notice that these things are happening in parenting or lack of these things are happening, that we can maybe talk about them in a non-judgmental way, but just pressing this the importance of this information because our kids are our future. And we want to work as much as we can to stop this cycle of trauma imprinting. Absolutely. And I've also experienced this firsthand. And it is really a hard topic to talk about because it feels wrong to point out all the things that we're missing, especially in cases like mine, where it was so far out of our control, it was so far out of my mom's control to not be with me. You know, at the time she did what was best for me. She, I've talked about this before, she got deported and she had a mental illness. So the possibility of me going to live with her in Mexico and me being okay was very low. And so we made the decision that it was best for me to stay here. And I understood that. And it still doesn't take away the fact that I grew up without that sense of protection, guidance, and nurturing that I needed. And that, you know, I don't want to say that only a mother can provide, but that it's vital that a mother provides that. Another thing is that in my case, my mother hunger is so obvious. We were physically separated and I think we all expected some difficulties would come with that. So we tried our best to understand and make you know the best that we could. And I've talked about my brothers and sisters and how much they tried to be there, but they were not emotionally there for themselves either. So it's just a really hard situation. In many cases, though, mother hunger is not as obvious. And some examples could be a mom who provides protection and guidance, but she doesn't nurture her kids, no hugs or kisses, or a mom who wants to be too much of a good friend. I see a lot of these in my generation. A mom who wants to be too much of a good friend that she forgets that she's supposed to be, you know, a guide and maybe lay down the rules sometimes. I think these are all interchangeables. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a friend whose mom just was like, wanted to be like her sister, best friend, go out with her all the time. And she basically had to take care of her mom from a very early age, which is difficult. Mm -hmm. In other cases, the mom may be struggling to feel safe and protected if she's, you know, with an abusive partner. As a result, her kids will feel the same way. Studies show that when a mother's cortisol level rises, so does her child's and babies model everything that we do. I see this in my kids all the time. Well, that happens too if a mom is like with an abusive person, you know, or vice versa, Mm -hmm. you know, but like if she gets angry all the time and she gets stressed all the time, she can't control her emotions or her anxiety. That's all getting directly passed on and it really, really creates trauma. But then also the kids don't know how to self-soothe or self-regulate. And so it's the prerogative of the parent to figure out how to figure out how to self-soothe themselves, to reparent themselves Mm -hmm. if they didn't have that hopefully without medication there's so many ways you can do that through meditation through breath works breath works is incredibly useful in calming your cortisol levels lowering your heart rate lowering your heart rate yeah definitely And then also like just I was thinking about when it comes to discipline and spanking and me receiving that from a lot of different people and then not having somebody protect me or say that that was wrong led to me allowing a lot more abuse into my life, verbal and physical abuse. So that's another pretty tragic symptom that can come from that. 
Absolutely. I mean, like I said, babies, they our kids model everything that we do. I think even this past weekend, I was having just, Brian was out of town. So I was with the kids for a day. It wasn't even that hard, but it still brought a little bit of stress. And Ceci's going through this phase. She's five. She's going through this phase where she doesn't like everything I cook. And so she returned the food that I made for her. And I just, I threw a fit and I picked up the plate and I threw it in the sink. And, you know, Mikey, my son, he was like, mommy, that was not nice. And he picked up his plate and he threw it in the sink too. And so I had to remember that they're looking at me. They're learning how to process their emotions based on what they see in me. So I had to walk away from the room for a little bit. I had to go to the restroom and just pretend like I was, you know, in the restroom and I had to regroup and come back out and remember that they're watching me. It's just, it's crazy. They're watching me. (laughs) So true. I went with some of my friends for Mother's Day and I asked them all what their favorite thing of being a mother was. And one of them said that it's that they're a mirror of you and the more kids you have, the more mirrors you have. And so it's, they're constantly reflecting back to you who you are. And I think that that is such a beautiful opportunity to grow, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of us don't have that self-awareness or external awareness of how we're coming across until we see it in others. So that's that's amazing. I can't wait for that. I think it's always so important to take care of yourself first because they see that, you know, and I, and I want my children to feel comfortable enough to take care of themselves first before they can take care of anybody else. I have to remember that I have to take care of myself first and make sure that I'm paying attention to the signs that they're giving off when they're not feeling protected, guided, or nurtured. Another thing is I'm now realizing that Ceci has a fear of losing me, like of me literally dying. This past weekend, we were at the lake and my brother dunked me in the water, fully clothed. And in the moment, it was so funny. It was hilarious. Everybody was laughing. He was smearing my makeup and making fun of me. And I remember catching a glimpse of Ceci's face and she was frightened. And I didn't think much of it. You know, we we're just kind of playing around. She asked me if I was okay. And I told her I was. And we continued to play in the water for a little while. And on the way home... I was wet and I was cold. And Brian and I were talking about how I couldn't believe that my brother did that. And she yelled from the back seat, stop talking about that. And it caught me off guard. So I looked back and I asked her, you know, what's going on? And she said, I thought you were going to die. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, I didn't like when your brother did that. I thought you were going to die. And I could tell that this was a real fear of hers. And to be completely honest, I'm, I'm still not sure what the best way to handle it was. I just told her that he was playing with me and that he loved me and he would never hurt me. And as I put her to bed, that night she asked me to stay with her of course I needed to go take showers so I couldn't but I made sure that she fell asleep and I just felt so guilty leaving her because she asked me to stay with her but I needed to go take a shower and I came back with her and rubbed her head a little bit I have a feeling that she's not feeling as nurtured or protected and maybe it's because I'm always on the go so this was all looking back at this material and figuring out you know this topic was all a good reminder that maybe I just need to slow down and pay attention to her Yeah, they're constantly signaling stuff, you know, and we can get really consumed. Another thing I can foresee preventing people from paying attention is like cell phones and just constantly being on them or checking them and you miss those little cues, those little requests. I can see it even in Oliver when, you know, I get home (laughs) and my little dog is running out and he just loves to pay attention to him for like five minutes, you know, it's important to really be there and, and just, and like I said, like there's no shame in like making mistakes or having a really busy schedule. But when you do have time to be with them, and then the other thing we were talking about, 
about that is really important and the lack thereof can cause a lot of disappointment in people is when you don't follow through with what you promise. Oh, yes. I um, I was telling you that this was a long time ago before I had kids and I was playing soccer on Sunday mornings and I told my niece because she was playing soccer. She was starting to play soccer and I told my niece that I was going to pick her up to go to my game. But I went out the night before and I stayed up way too late and I was running late to my game. So I didn't have time to pick her up. And my brother called me afterward and he was pissed. He told me not to ever do that to her again. He said, if you make a commitment to my daughter, you better make sure you show up. And, you know, this is my brother chewing me out. So I felt really bad. But as a parent, now I understand the importance of following through with your word. And little kids, they remember everything you tell them. It's easy to distract them when you were talking about the phone. I feel like a lot of parents, in order to like not deal with what their kid needs in the moment, they give them the phone to distract them. Right. That's a missed opportunity to figure out what's going on with them. And I'm guilty of this too. I can't say that I've never done it because sometimes when you're in the moment, if you're trying to get a lot of things done, it is the easiest thing to do. But I really want to encourage people to figure out, you know, what it is that they're needing in the in the moment. Right. Because what are you teaching them to do? Mm-hmm. To distract themselves mm-hmm. whenever they're going through something or they're feeling stressed. What do I do? I distract myself. Let me go distract myself. Watch a movie, yeah. put on Netflix, go drink, go eat something to get my mind off of it. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest travesty that we can do yeah. because it's, it's not making it go away. It's just suppressing it and burying it. And we're forgetting about it for the moment, but then it's going to come right back yeah. stronger than ever. Definitely. Yeah. So just stop, pay attention, figure out what's going on because then they will do that later on in life. They'll be able to handle and deal with things right away. Maybe just get them to calm down with breathing, teaching them how to breathe. You know, it's so, I so hard. I tell Mikey to breathe like a dinosaur because he he likes dinosaurs right now. So I tell him, take a deep breath like a dinosaur. And he goes, roar. (laughs) And I just um, let it all out. It's okay. Have you ever seen Land Before Time? No. So good. It's like a really old cartoon about dinosaurs. I need to watch it. But yeah, so Kelly McDaniel talks a lot about women, but I believe that everyone suffers from mother hunger, not just women. I mean, I think we see it in a lot of men too. And, you know, I see it in Mikey. I see it in my son because he acts differently when he doesn't get his way. And I'm sure a lot of that is just being a kid, still learning how to push my buttons. I just think it's really important to pay attention, you know, to all of our children, whether they're boys or girls. Oh, yeah. God, it affects guys even harder sometimes and it affects girls because that's where they learn to be able to be emotional or express emotions. And if they have a mother who's cold and distant, then they shut that off even further when society is already encouraging them to be that way. It's also part of that whole, you know, boys don't cry or men don't cry sort of thing. I mean, we I think we see it a lot now in guys that are our age where they grew up in households where their parents, mostly their dads. It's very dominant in my culture, that macho mentality. It's like, you know, suck it up, don't cry. I think that's the worst thing you can do for boys. Exactly. So Also, mothers with narcissistic tendencies. So they are very self-centered. So they're not very connected to the emotions that their daughters are going through. I have some friends whose moms were very, very critical about their Mm -hmm. weight, about their looks ever since they were really young. So just so much insecurity there. And they grow up with eating disorders or they're on Adderall or all of these things to try to keep them skinny because that voice inside their head, their inner critic is their mom 
all the time, judging them. That's a really challenging one to Mm -hmm. overcome, man. God. So I think we're pretty clear on what the issue is here. I think we can offer some suggestions as far as what to do. If you know that that's the kind of mom that you had, Maybe she wasn't as supportive or maybe she was really even downright abusive. And now you're finding it hard to maybe self-soothe yourself. Maybe you're not achieving your goals like you would like because you lack the person inside of you supporting you. Your inner critic could be extremely negative. So basically what needs to happen is inner child work. I mean, that's the first place you have to go because that child did not get its needs met. (laughs) Your little child inside of you did not get its needs met. And so it's time to connect back to yourself as a little child. And one really awesome way to do that is to put a picture of you as a child. Maybe you're like smiling and happy on your screensaver on your phone so that you can look at it and connect back to it. You can talk to him or her. You can write yourself letters. And it's also about recognizing when your inner child is asking for something, when it's feeling scared or when it needs something or when it feels like, yeah, maybe it needs some protection or a little bit of nurturing or guidance and just tuning in, you know, even through meditation, but making that the priority because until that happens, you're going to constantly be having this huge divide within you of a child not feeling like they're getting their needs met and not being able to move further and holding you back. Parts integration is also another way that you can do it. So there's a lot of different ways, you know, that going through a journey that we do, we go back and we do a lot of inner child work. I actually just did a journey for the first time in a year on Wednesday. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And it was amazing. And so we worked through fear of abandonment because I had a lot of that come up in this past year with everything that happened with my sisters and some friends of mine too. It just re-triggered all of this stuff in me and it's been building up and I really, really felt like I had to do the work through it. So we used timeline therapy and we went back to the first time I felt abandoned and worked through that. And I just felt so much better afterwards like Mm -hmm. so much weight had been lifted I had so much more faith because it's just that fear I mean it Mm -hmm. just it's paralyzing you know and then you don't try as hard when it comes to doing things that you want or in relationships or whatever it is because you're just part of you is just so fearful that it's gonna be gone so it's hard to give a hundred percent and stuff because you're worrying that it could just be gone at any second yeah totally I think another thing that it's worth mentioning is that a lot of people who have struggled with mother hunger or pretty much think any hardships in life. We were talking about this during in our group message that we have with some of our other friends and how some of the kindest people, you have the quotes, so maybe we should read the quote. Oh yeah, so yeah, to preface that, like it's a really important thing to have, which by the way, anybody can have if they decide to have it, is a growth mindset. So no matter what your childhood was like, no matter what you've been through, no matter what horrific travesties you have experienced in your life, you can still change. You can grow. You can overcome anything that you have, any dysfunction that you have, if you believe that you can. And if you decide that you're going to do that, Mm -hmm. your life can change as long as, as soon as your perspective changes. And as long as you're willing to commit to doing whatever it takes to change and grow, you can learn anything. You can be whoever you want. So it's about reparenting yourself and not to underestimate the power of encouragement. 
So encouraging yourself and being around other people who are encouraging you, making goals and sticking to those goals. So start small. If you're trying to start on a morning routine, start small and then continue to do it every single morning. And when you do do it, encourage the fuck out of yourself, pat yourself on the back every single time and be like, you got this. You're doing so great because that encouragement, you know, that we should have received from our mothers. I did fortunately, but a lot of people didn't. You can do that for yourself. So there's this beautiful quote, which I think is going to be so appropriate for the end of this says the kindest people are not born that way. They are made. They are the souls that have experienced so much at the hands of life. They're the ones who have dug themselves out of the dark, who have fought to turn every loss into a lesson. The kindest people do not just exist. They choose to soften where circumstance has tried to harden them. They choose to believe in goodness because they have seen firsthand why compassion is so necessary. They have seen firsthand why tenderness is so important in this world. Yeah, I want to say that even if maybe perhaps you're not the one that's been at the hands of hardship directly. For me, I think it's directly connected to mother hunger because a lot of people, maybe they don't experience these things themselves, but they see it in their mom or they see it in someone that they love and they choose to soften their hearts because they see it. They see how it affects other people that they love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you can find forgiveness, you know, for your mom or if if it's with your dad, Mm -hmm. like this is not outright dads and dad hunger because that's mm-hmm. definitely a thing. For Father's Day, maybe with, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, growing up with a single mom, I definitely had that. You know, I didn't have boundaries or discipline and I was extremely undisciplined. I could not stick to a routine to save my life. I had to work super hard at it to become consistent. Consistent at showing up for myself because I was just like gone with the wind. So anyone can do it. If I can do it, surely anybody can do it. And it just starts by one day at a time and encouraging yourself and being that parent. And if you find that you challenge yourself to something and you are falling off the tracks, don't beat yourself up over it. Just remember that you can pick yourself back up. I was, uh, I helped a friend meal prep and she texted me. She's like, I've had like three cheat meals already. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Just shake it off. You've already had them. What are you going to do? Just wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. You know, just or choose to stick with your meal plan and it'll be better. Right. But don't beat yourself up over it. And don't have the fuck it mentality either, mm-hmm. which exactly. a lot of people have. Like they eat the one cookie and it's off of their diet. So they're like, fuck it. I'll just eat the whole pack. Yeah. So you can get right back up and keep going the next day. That's literally all that matters. And if you want some really good reading material, the book Mindset is amazing. Carol Dweck, I believe, is the author. She has a PhD in psychology. And it, I mean, it's all the proof right there that you need that you can literally change anything about yourself if you put your mind to it. You don't have to stay stuck. Kelly McDaniel has this book that is called Ready to Heal. I have the ebook version of it and it's pretty good content. It's directed mostly to towards women because it's a bunch of women's stories there. But I really feel like anybody can read it and get, you know, really good stuff out of it. And that's where she talks a little bit about Mother Hunger. She also has a book coming out in June or July this year that is called The Mother Hunger, where she's going to talk about all of this. So that's a topic that you want to look more into. Kelly McDaniel is, uh, she's got really good stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff out there, how to do the work. Mm -hmm. Those are great places to start. But as always, we love talking with you guys. I love talking with you 
Paloma and being able to share all the information that we learned because it's just so impactful to us and we know that it can help you too. I mean, these are just the places you have to start if you're noticing areas in your life that you don't like or you're not happy with. Definitely. This week was actually a, it was a hard parenting week for me. So this is all good stuff that I needed to talk about and listen to. So little reminders, (laughs) little reminders. Why we're doing this. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Paloma is the expert here because she's a mother too, but I hope pretty soon I'll be able to join in from experience. (laughs) Definitely. I'll, um, I'll send you this podcast whenever you need it in the future. Awesome. (laughs) All right, guys, we love you. Have an amazing week. And we will see you next week, hopefully. Bye, everyone.